the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. Coronavirus may have catalyzed shipping's digitalization, but progress has not been uniform, and the industry is now dividing into the connected haves and the analog have-nots. The buzzwords and bluster of recent years are finally giving way to tangible investment in platforms, apps, and connectivity that are revealing the full extent of cost efficiencies and the competitive advantages now possible. But not all digital investments are equal. Let's be clear here, there will be winners and there are going to be losers in the digital revolution. Disruptive technology is a given. Connected platforms, cloud-based services, mobile devices and apps and sensors and other Internet of Things, technologies, augmented reality, autonomous transportation, blockchain, big data, the list goes on. They're all finding maritime applications with degrees of success, but the bigger challenge is not in the hardware or the software. To be truly effective, stakeholders have to do more than simply adopt these technologies on their own. Instead, they must embrace platforms and services that make it easier for stakeholders to work together to promote the efficiency of the overall ecosystem. We're exploring many of these topics and more this week in our digitalization special report. Full details available on lawyerslist.com. But I thought it only fitting to kick off our report with a digital-themed podcast. So my guest this week is a relative newcomer to shipping who has the advantage of seeing shipping's progress from a different perspective. Sean Fernback, president of Vartzilla Voyage for the past year, still feels something of an outsider, but he's quickly clocked the need to understand Maritime's unique challenges. While he's something of a digital evangelist, I think it's interesting quite how much of his digital vision for change in the industry is actually about partnership and collaboration. He's also not afraid of thinking about how things could be rather than how they are. Listen carefully for his thoughts on why connectivity should perhaps be something that is given away for free in future business models. I start by asking him whether he viewed shipping as being still something of an analogue sector and a laggard compared to the other commercial sectors he's worked in over recent years. So when I started uh, uh, and really got into commercial marine just last year, um, I would say absolutely. It, was a, it, it's, it, it almost shocked me how much of a, a laggard industry it is. But now I understand it better. I think it's, you know, I think it's fair to say there are definitely, uh, there are definitely owner operators that are, are really sort of putting their head above the parapet and are really looking and embracing this opportunity and, and need to, to modernize, you know, their fleet or their operations, you know. So there are some, there are some players out there that are doing it. It's a very, very fragmented industry. So it, there's a long, long tail of, 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 of ship owners uh, and operators that, that are, are far away from being able to, you know, reap the benefits of using technology, as it were, both shoreside and, and on the ships. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is that, it's, that there, are, there are two big, big challenges that the industry faces. And number one is decarbonization. And how does it do that? And how does it accelerate uh, accelerate that activity? Um, especially when, broadly speaking, as an industry, it's, there isn't a lot of liquidity. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, on the knife edge, as it were, you know, in terms of 
make, making making money. And then the third thing really related to, to both those challenges is uh, is the size of the legacy fleets. You know, there's a lot of a lot of vessels out there, very old vessels running old engines and and and, and probably not so much technology. And and ultimately, you know, they will have to be replaced. You know, and how's that how's that going to be funded? So I think there are some real challenges. And I think the last thing I would say on this is really is is the IMO. Is, is it really shaping up to help the industry address these challenges? I don't want to say derogatory things about the IMO, and I don't know a lot about it, but I know it's a very authoritative body in, in, in marine. But I do wonder when I look at some things that the time it takes to get approvals and what have you, and 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 the, the lack of standards, you know, and the lack of driving standards and and, and driving, you know, collaboration you know which which is another topic in in itself i i do wonder if it's if it's it needs to you know sort of come into the 21st century a little it's interesting how often the digitalization and the decarbonization shifts are linked and there obviously are many areas where you're looking at a venn diagram that crosses over but i would characterize them as being to some extent exclusive in the sense that decarbonization is about compliance and meeting the regulatory requirements that are coming and i'm being very broad when i say that but you know it is obviously being driven partly by regulation and partly by the shipping industry's customer base requiring that shift uh, in order to meet esg compliance and various other things but it's about meeting requirements for a purpose that is beyond shipping whereas the digitalization aspect is more a question of yes collaboration but uh, with the aim being efficiency at various levels. And you're talking about integration of systems, you're talking about integration of uh, logistics supply chains, you're talking about standardized data approaches, but ultimately you're talking about being more efficient, either through the actual technology or the operations that they're sitting within a system. Do you, do you see those two things being at odds with each other at all? Not really. Not really. I mean, I think the, you know, I think decarbonisation is a journey, and along that journey, there will be a a, you know, a series of changes that that owner operators will, will will make and have to make in order to get to decarbonisation. It, you know, you're you're not going to wake up one morning um, and say, right now we're we're fully decarbonised and that's great and and off we go. Driving fuel efficiency is is effectively reducing you know carbon emissions. Mm. So and that can be done now. I mean, when you look at what we do, I mean, we do that in 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 the majority of you know, of cruise ships that that will be sailing hopefully this year, um, and have been doing for some time. You know, we ha- we have technology that 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 manages trim, propulsion, and what have you, and 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 therefore manages fuel, which of course, as you know, is the Number one highest operational cost of of any any operator. Mm. So, um, but there's very few vessels that are using that technology, you know, and and so things could happen much much quicker, you know. And we're looking at ways to accelerate that. How do we bring our technology onto more and more vessels at scale, you know? And how do we deal with the affordability issue to allow? Um, to basically play our part in in this decarbonisation journey. Mm. Let's talk about the speed aspect of it, because I think, you know, the general consensus, you know, across the industry is that the past 12 months or so, COVID has really catalyzed and and accelerated a lot of the the digitalisation approaches. 
partly through necessity. I mean, things like remote surveys have, you know, very quickly become the norm. But I think there has been a sort of psychological shift for many operators that perhaps, you know, are looking at um, technology and, and, and digital solutions in a way that where they otherwise might have been looking at it down the line as a future option for when they get around to it are now thinking about things differently because they're working from home, they're doing everything remotely and have realised that actually we can do things differently as an industry. How does that sit with you? You must have had some interesting conversations over the last 12 months with with people who are now coming around to your way of thinking, I guess. Yes, a, 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 a little. I mean, I think that um, for us, it's 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 we've had to have a, a rethink on some of the parts of the business where COVID has had a, a a very big impact, you know, and um, uh, m- you know, mostly crews uh, uh, versus merchant. Mm. But um, but but from a product service point of view, I mean, we've we're having a we've had a rethink and we and we shifted actually with credit to the team very quickly to moving, for example, training simulation, which was always a an on-site on-premise activity, uh, and we've moved that to the cloud, or in the process of moving it to the cloud, so that people people can effectively do this, you know, in the comfort of their own home on their own laptop. So that's one aspect that that we've looked at, and that's 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 making us sort of rethink that 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 sort of that product segment a little bit, and and how that will how that is now. I think probably permanently changed, you know, in terms of uh, even when travel and and, and, and movement comes back for everybody. I still think people will see the the, the advantage of being able to do it remotely. So that's that's one aspect. The other is, of course, in uh, servicing and it, and it's it's being able to diagnose and and look at vessels you know remotely because typically you know, we, 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 our service centre would get a ticket and you know we prioritise that and put a guy in a car and the guy would drive down to the port and go onto the vessel. You know. You know, well, we've we've done a fair bit of on vessel um, service and repair. All credit to that team, but but um, it's it, again, it's it's reshaped our thinking, our roadmap towards how we how we can grow um, our ability, customers' ability to be able to service and, and and their fleet or look at their fleet remotely. You know, mm. because it's not something that happens at scale today. And then I think the last thing connected to that that we're looking at is really, you know, we have we have hundreds of connected vessels you know but but hundreds and not thousands and and how do we accelerate that because clearly there's a there's a lot you can do with a vessel that's connected and you can provide a lot of services um um not just things things like you know charting and and, and weather and what have you routing but also uh, diagnosis services um monitoring services fuel efficiency all that sort of stuff you can do once you have you have a have a connected vessel. So we're we're really looking now, this this year, this this the, certainly the first half of this year is how we accelerate and how do we how do we lower that barrier to entry to get more and more vessels connected to our cloud. Mm. And I, I think that is you know when you get down to the the nuts and bolts of it, that's probably the key question that a lot of ship owners are still grappling with the the return on investment and the speed at which they can invest in in a, in a fleet-wide system like that and see the benefit coming through you know when when you're dealing with such a thin margin business in such volatile circumstances where you know as you've already pointed out the liquidity of the uh, the average ship owner is is, is not uh, in a position to be investing huge amounts of money in these things we, we, we're talking about i guess 
the industry waiting to see this become the norm rather than the exception? Well, yeah, is there a tipping point that you see coming through on that? Well, I actually think we can drive this because I think it's about looking at the business model. So if you if you look if you look at how the I suppose it's fair to say broadly the industry works today, it's it, it works on a transactional basis, right? mm. and that makes things can make things expensive and therefore the barrier to entry for certain owner operators very very high but the advantage and the, a fairly unique thing of course about shipping is that the the vessel tends to operate for a, a considerable number of years so so you know why not look at a business pricing model that effectively says right we're going to we're not going to recover our the, the, our cost and uh, and our margin on a single transaction you know in other words a single sale we're going to uh, we're going to look at how we're going to spread that over three you know three five ten fifteen twenty years maybe mm-hmm. and so it, it's shifting the business model and the pricing models you know um, much to, much more towards um, and we do this today with our FOSS product to a SaaS model effectively so and so ultimately, going back to my point about how do we scale connectivity, I mean, we should be giving it away, basically. And then we should spread the, the cost of ownership, you know, uh, over a period of years. It's an interesting way of looking at it. And it might surprise some listeners that, you know, you're, you're thinking in those terms. But I think certainly the idea that the industry needs to rethink some of its traditional business models is, is not a new one. I guess for the average ship owner, it's a question of, you know, how do we do that? How do we move from a, a very traditional model where, you know, we're in the business of getting stuff from port A to port B to, uh, you know, to some extent utilizing shipping's digital exhaust to, uh, you know, thinking about uh, the hardware as, as a service model rather than a sort of single purchase. I mean, these, these are as much psychological shifts as they are, um, uh, you know, investment decisions. Yes. Yes, yeah, and, and but what we are seeing, I mean, we we talked to a number of customers, and uh, is you know they're bringing in they're bringing in you know new generations of of of, of different skill sets, and mm. and uh, you know they're bringing IT, you know what you might call IT people, IT people, they're bringing in technologists, you know, or cloud experts or data experts, and so and so there's you know they realize it's a it's a huge capability gap that they have in their organization it's not their core competence and now they're starting certainly the bigger companies you know we talk about cma and shell shell have been doing it for some time Maersk have been doing it for a long time you know they they built these capabilities in-house you know but but there are you know there are a handful you know and like you say there's there's, there's a huge tens of thousands of vessels out there you know some vessel operators have what two three four five vessels you know um they can't afford to do that and so mm-hmm. you know another discussion that i think needs to be had from the oem side our side you know that's us consberg abb whoever is like which sort of comes back to the standards discussion is you know what is it that we should be doing to support the industry in this in this transition in this paradigm shift from the old world to the new world you know so that we can we can ease the burden of the the large volume of owner operators to be able to get onto the digital platform, mm. you know, and I think that, and, and I, uh, this came up in a in, in another discussion I was having with with some other individuals last month. You know, there isn't going to be a single player, but could there be a single platform that is supported by multiple players? And I think 
in, in, and it's a small industry. I mean, it, it, this is not consumer where you have you have millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of of users using apps. You know, this is this is a relatively small industry, and I don't think that you know all these owner operators can afford to build a platform and can no. and, and 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 have the expertise around connectivity and security, cybersecurity, you know, platforms, data, all that stuff. Because having it is one thing, but it's what you do with it that creates the value. And I just don't think that it, you know, that everybody, there is an affordability problem. And so, like I say, is there a discussion to be had along the lines of a, of a standard or standardizing a common platform, which is supported by a number of key industry partners to allow this entry and this journey to happen faster for a lot of the smaller players. And certainly that's been the the dream. And I, I don't think anyone would argue with that as a, as a concept. But, you know, while we may be small, we are also fragmented. And I think the industry is listed with examples of siloed projects not really gaining that critical mass in order to become you know the containerized standard and i think you know that's that's the issue here with with standardization be them platform or data standards in terms of how data is consumed we have a fragmented approach to these things and the danger is if they develop in silos what you then have is you know a lack of integration and and that will then prevent further innovation and 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 you know we we know what happens from there do you, do you think that the standardization argument is a reality, commercially speaking, given the fragmented nature of shipping? Well, this is, goes back to my point about the IMO. This is where they could step in and help. Um, and um, not not by laying down rules and regulations, but by facilitating, you know. And um, so, yeah, it's it's conceptually, it all seems to make sense. In reality, will it happen? I honestly don't know at this stage, mm. but you know, I, like I say, I think there's 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 a conversation to be had, and I think also the when you look at it from the industry, from you know again from the owner operator side, I think that that would be probably something they would really like to see, mm. because otherwise, like you say, you we're going to end up with a very fragmented landscape. And I was saying to, you know, the uh, thing about data is that it's it, it's it's only qualitative when there's quantity. You know, and having a platform with with 20 ships on it doesn't give you much quality in terms of data. But having 80,000 vessels on it, um, you know, like we demonstrated in our in on our, in the UN hackathon, mm. we took all the AIS data and 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 and, and showed around the the, the the carbon footprint, the global carbon footprint. That's because the volume was there. We can do that. So only with volume can you create value, which again I think which comes back to is there a conversation to be had where we can we can pool data, you know, so that data can be shared? Now, not all data needs to be shared, and I think data is another big big topic in 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 maritime because it's very new, and some people are quite scared of it and don't understand it. And there's this thing about ownership, and you only want to own something and keep something if it has value. But there are certain things, and we've learned this through mobile. Um, uh, or mobile computing, you know, there is there's there's certain data that is, is worth sharing for the greater good, you know. And I think there's a whole there's a whole education that is that still needs to happen around data in the industry. Again, that could be facilitated by by the IMO. They could step in and and, and help drive that. Mm. The education aspect is something you've raised a couple of times, and I think it's interesting. You alluded to it in uh, talking about the influx of 
IT guys into shipping and and getting the uh, sort of the, the common understanding between people with an IT background to understand the complexity uh, and interconnectedness of the shipping industry and vice versa. Of course, we as an industry need to do a better job at uh, being able to explain the parameters of our industry and, and exactly why it is quite so complex. Do you think that's changing in, in your experience as an outsider again? Yes. I mean, I think that if you look at IT data, com- computing specialists um, or engineers, whatever, there's something very interesting about the maritime industry, which is partly why I'm here today, is, is that there is there are some big problems to solve. And, and engineers like solving problems. Mm. And, and 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 especially as we're at, we're very early on in, in again in this journey of digitalization, there's 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 a lot to benefit from from being there, and and being being at the start of that journey. I think so. And we've been on a on a on a recruitment drive uh, the last few months, and uh, and have attracted some and and, and been able to sign some ex- extraordinary talent, and and it's you know. Broadly speaking, because they just, they see the problems we're trying to solve, and they and that that really excites them, you know. A final question, if you don't mind. I mean, one of the things we're going to be looking at this year is we are starting to build up a, sort of an imagined picture of what a shipping company of the future looks like. Uh, you know, what are the who are the people involved in it? What are the uh, what what does the sort of makeup of that company look like? I mean, if I was going to ask you to get your crystal ball out and sort of imagine what your average shipping company looks like, say by 2040, do you have any uh, thoughts or any any predictions in terms of what the shipping company of the future is is going to look like, as far as you're concerned? Well, I think the only thing I can confidently say uh, is that there's going to be a lot less crew, because I think that that the you know the the Again, we're on this path to autonomy, um, and, and we can learn from the automotive industry in this in this one. Um, there are things that we can do to um, reduce crew on vessels and arguably increase safety. I mean, there's still uh, there's still some terrible things that are happening out there. I mean, I was just reading about the container ship that lost 750 containers in the South Pacific. Yes. Why is that happening in 2021? It's just just not right. So I think that the yeah shipping a shipping company will will there'll be a lot of automation and there'll be a lot of you know computing and 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 you know machine learning AI all that other stuff very data driven um, and I think that the 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 crew that you will have I, I, I whether things will be completely autonomous by that point I don't know will be a very different caliber of individual. You know, um, it'll be be more more a technician than a than a mariner, I, su- I suspect. So, um, and there'll be just like you say, I think a, an awful lot of automation in terms of uh, of not just in terms of routing, but in terms of docking, uh, just in time arrival, which is one of our products, making sure that there's a, there's almost zero anchorage. You know, um, and therefore, you know, which is of course a complete waste of money and time. And we learn again, learn from the aircraft industry how that works when it was all flying. You know, so I think you know, ports are going to get more sophisticated, much you know, connected to vessels. I think the whole supply chain, almost from factory to to retail, you know, will all be connected. Um, and and I think there's some, there'll be some 
benefits there around utilization of vessels, you know, making sure that we only have the vessels sailing if they're, you know, fully utilized, those sort of things. So I think there's lots of, lots of, uh, lots of the, the dots are going to get connected, I think, which is kind of also part of our sort of whole smart marine story as well, you know, and, and the part that we're going to play in that. So, yeah, I think it's going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Wonderful. Well, we will hopefully check back in with you periodically to see how we are along that journey. But uh, for now, John Fernbank, President of Vartzilla Voyage, thank you very much for joining the Lloyds for this podcast. A pleasure. Thank you very much.